You're listening to Opera Innovations, a podcast brought to you by ABA Technologies. This week on the University Series, we are speaking with Queens College and Dr. Sally Izquierdo and Dr. Joshua Jessel. Dr. Izquierdo is a board-certified and New York State licensed behavior analyst. She earned her MA in counseling from Florida Gulf Coast University and her PhD from the City University of New York Graduate Center and Queens College. She has over 25 years of experience providing services to support individuals with autism and other developmental disabilities in homes, schools, and the community. She studies challenging behavior as well as verbal behavior interventions for infants and young children with Down syndrome and provides workshops through the Down Syndrome Advocacy Foundation. She is taught as an adjunct lecturer at Long Island University, Capella University, and Queens College. Sally also served for over three years on the Legislative Committee for the New York State Association for Behavior Analysis, including two years as legislative chairperson advocating for the removal of the scope of practice restrictions for licensed behavior analysts in New York. She is currently the clinical training manager for all master's programs and the ABA program director in psychology department at Queens College. Dr. Joshua Jessel received his PhD from Western New England University, and his current research interests involve developing safe and efficient methods of assessing problem behavior of those diagnosed with autism and other related developmental disorders, and evaluating different function-based treatments informed by those assessments. In addition, his translational research and human operant laboratory is designed to analyze basic behavioral processes to improve behavioral concerns of social significance. So without further ado, Queens College. Today we are talking with Queens College and we have Dr. Sally Izquierdo and Dr. Joshua Jessel as well. So thank you both for talking with me today. Thank you for having us. Excited to be here. And I am going to pass it over to you to just start with a general overview of the program. Okay, great. At Queens College, we are uh, in the psychology department. Um, We have two different programs in um, behavior analysis. We have a master's in behavior analysis, um, and we also have an advanced certificate program um, in behavior analysis. Both our master's and our advanced certificate programs um, lead to um, certification or BACB certification. They both meet the educational requirements um, and are pre-approved by ABAI. Um, So students can um, sit for the BCBA exam after they um, complete one or the other program. And our master's program is also licensure qualifying or registered with New York State as licensure qualifying because we are a state that has licensure in behavior analysis. So our master's program is is licensure qualifying right now. Our advanced certificate program is not, um, but students can still submit. uh, Students who participate in the advanced certificate program can still submit their coursework to New York State um, it just needs to be re- reviewed a little bit differently than, uh, than the master's um, coursework, which is automatically approved by the state. The master's program is uh, 39 credits, um, and the advanced certificate program is 27 credits. What are the big differences between, you know, other than the licensure, the advanced certificate, and the master's? Right. Well, 
the unlike the master's program, the advanced certificate program does not lead to a master's degree. So you complete the program um, and, and you do not leave with a master's degree. It's designed for individuals who already have a master's degree um, and are just looking for the coursework to get their certification and, and licensure in behavior analysis. Whereas the obviously the master's program for individuals who are, who are looking for that credential as well. So most people who complete the advanced certificate already have their master's in some sort of related field um, and they're looking to get that added little qualification there on their on their name to say I'm also a licensed behavior analyst or I'm also a BCBA. So we see a lot of teachers in, in our area who have their teacher's degree um, and just need that extra sort of ABA coursework to add up to getting their BCBA. That's awesome. And so how about the faculty? Who is at Queens College and you know what are some of the research interests that they have? Dr. Emily Jones has uh, two very large areas of research interests. One is with uh, children with Down syndrome and I love that area she goes into because it's not something we typically do or see um, with applied behavior analysis. You know the zeitgeist right now is autism, autism. So we tend to see services or research kind of uh, go down for others with developmental disabilities that are in need of um, these types of services. So uh, one of them, she works with Down syndrome and the other is a, a line of research in siblings, training siblings to be able to work with uh, children with autism. And she has what's called the Sibs Club where she brings in entire families together and she provides this service plus research training for children who don't have a diagnosis, but they also need some sort of help, not only interacting with their brothers and sisters, but this can also improve their overall quality of life because they tend to have other sorts of uh, concerns when one of the children needs a lot of services, a lot of attention, a lot of um, other sorts of needs. So uh, that's Dr. Emily Jones. Uh, Dr. Peter Sturmey, He's a big guy in the field. He's been around for ages, not to call him old. He's published hundreds of articles, uh, mainly on BSD behavioral skills training, basically any sort of training for caregivers, parents, and staff members who work with children with autism and EIBI sort of settings. So he's a, a big guy to say the least. And then uh, I have a clinic here that's called Child Behavioral Health Clinic. It is specifically designed for children with and without a diagnosis of autism, but mainly we see children with autism come here uh, and who exhibit severe forms of problem behavior. So aggression, uh, self-injury and property destruction. And the whole point is to assess their problem behavior and to provide them with a skill-based treatment, teaching how to communicate, how to cooperate, how to tolerate delays and denials um, to the preferred things. And the, the hope and the aim is that once they leave the clinic, they're able to reintegrate back into their community. I think that's our main sort of research interest, although each of us have uh, different uh, interests along the way, depending on our master's students who also you know, have different dreams of research on their own. And we're hoping we're able to uh, provide the opportunity to engage in that uh, different research interest. No, and that's really exciting, too, because it just reminds me of some of my clients, too, that I had worked with in my clinical life. And this is a side note, too, but um, 
actually speaking of um, Down syndrome, um, one of one of my you know previous clients did have a dual diagnosis, and um, that was actually something we ended up doing was bringing the older siblings into a lot of the like in naturalistic teaching that we did, like out in the community at the grocery store or um, here or there. And so it's really neat to actually see it being, you know, more formalized now as well. And I know that you mentioned that, you know, some of the research might change a little bit depending on the students that are coming in. And so that kind of relates to, you know, what can the students expect when coming into a program and working with the faculty? What is, you know, what is kind of that student experience like with classes and research? <laughs> I, like, I just, I really like the finger pointing. <laughs> with classes and research, um, I, st I still think that's, that, that's you. I think one of the things that I can speak to, um, and, and this relates to my particular role, um, my broader role as clinical training manager in the department, and then you know, my more petite role, um, although not so much lately, the as ABA program director, one of the things that students can expect is opportunities to gain some really great, meaningful, supervised experience. And they can do that right on campus with our expert faculty, as Dr. Jessel just described. They can work with um, Dr. Jones in, uh, in SIBS Club. Um, in a number of different ways or, you know, tailored to their interest as it relates to um, children with autism and their families and their siblings and design their own projects. Um, they can work with Dr. Jessel in the Child Behavioral Health Clinic. Um, we are also creating additional opportunities on campus. In fact, we're piloting a new opportunity on campus this semester in conjunction with Project REACH, which tends to provide peer mentorship for adult Queens College students with autism spectrum disorder. This is actually the first time that we'll be, um, Project REACH will be um, working on our actual campus. They've done this program on a number of other campuses, I think four or five other campuses, um, where they provide support to college students with autism spectrum disorder. And it's usually some sort of peer mentorship, although the program's slightly different on every campus. And we'll be doing that um, this coming semester, piloting that with our ABA students um, to provide that peer support, right? Because they need support too. And that makes our our community, our college more inclusive and helps. The statistics for individuals with ASD that, that attend college are, are not so great. They don't tend to do so well after they graduate. They don't tend to find jobs at the same rate as their peers. And so providing that support on campus can be really helpful. So we're giving, we're gonna, we're gonna do that this semester and see how that goes. But in addition to our on-campus opportunities, we partner with over 30 different organizations and agencies in and around New York City to provide um, supervised experience for our students. And so when students come to Queens College, they can expect not only to have, um, you know, great experience in our coursework, but also to get those really fantastic um, supervised experience and, and accrue most, if not all of their hours that they need for supervised experience to meet both the requirements for the BACB as well as New York State requirements for licensure. Yeah, I'll just add about the research uh, opportunities. 
since New York is a little funky compared to other states, our licensure is specific to autism. We need to get experience in autism. So every student here will gain some fellowship experience with children with autism, but that doesn't limit you if you're interested in conducting research because we are an exempt setting. Uh, and we also have fellowships that are in exempt settings um, that allow you to work with other individuals. So uh, like we mentioned, the Down syndrome isn't doesn't fall within the, the scope of practice for practicing in New York City or New York State, but Dr. Jones still is able to conduct research. So the opportunities exist for uh, any research that you're interested in. It's just what you want to uh, take out of Queens College is what you're really going to get. And we also work with typically developing infants. Um, we have a, a line of tummy time research. So you can see that just our, our research interests are diverse and it's up to really the students if they're interested in, in working with Down syndrome, autism, problem behavior, typically developing infants or training, then you know we're here. Well, and it's really exciting to hear that too because some of the stuff isn't really a lot of, like a lot of the research that you know I've been learning about when I'm talking to even other universities but I think that really speaks to you know some of the potential uniqueness too not only of Queens College and the research and the faculty that are there but even the practicum opportunities as well and the types of diverse clientele that I can just assume and this is me assuming but you know we all know what happens when you assume um, with some of the different areas that you might be working in with you know within New York what can your students expect with, you know, traveling around if they do work for some of these other agencies? You know, what does that kind of look like, especially in a, you know, a huge metropolitan area? I'll just start by saying that Queens College itself is in one of the most diverse areas of the country. Just that in and of itself means your population of participants are typically going to be minority or low socioeconomic status and the services we typically provide are for those individuals. So um, the ones that can't get the services we are providing for them. And that's, I should just speak personally about my clinic is uh, we provide free because it's research and clinical services, uh, assessment and treatment procedures that they typically won't be able to get outside unless you spend big bucks or have good insurance. So we're providing that to individuals that are within our Queens community that are typically gonna be immigrants or may not even uh, speak English. We have a lot of Spanish-speaking individuals, and we have a sense of pride that our students not only get to work with these individuals, but we're providing them with something back to our community, not only training our students that come here. Well, that's really exciting, and that is that is some training that I never realized that I may have been lacking in until I moved to, you know, a bigger metropolitan area like Metro Detroit, you know, and before really even being from Michigan and moving to that area, not realizing that, you know, Metro Detroit has the biggest Middle Eastern population outside of the Middle East, to be able to know that some potential students could be going into, you know, your program and learning and just having this cultural competence training embedded into that training is also very humbling to me and very comforting to know that that is something that is just almost automatically implement, you know, implemented into the program. Okay, so I know that we've kind of mentioned some of the practicum opportunities. Do you want to go in any, any more in depth into some of those? 
we described in detail the ones that are available, you know, on campus. The others are agencies and organizations yeah. really in and around New York City, uh, also Nassau County uh, out on Long Island. And I think we even have one or two out in Suffolk County, which is further east uh, on Long Island. Um, I don't believe we have any that are north of the city or upstate at this time. And so they are organizations and agencies that provide services to individuals with autism spectrum disorder. Because we're in New York State and we're limited by our license to provide services to individuals with autism, that is what most of the organizations, that's the, the group that most of our organizations um, serve. Although we also partner with, I'm trying to think of which of our um, partnerships might be exempt settings. So in, in the exempt settings in New York State, we are not limited to working with individuals with autism. And so students might get other experiences there. But again, those experiences don't necessarily count towards your uh, hours that you can accrue for licensure because it's required to be with individuals with autism. Um, but there are a couple of schools on our list of um, organizations that we that we partner with and so some of our students get full-time opportunities to to work um, in those school settings like for example um, Elijah is one there's quite a variety um, we have so many agencies and organizations in in the area um, and we're always looking to you know to add more one of my goals is to try and um, make sure that they have there's some diversity in their choices in other ways, right? So they may be working with individuals with autism, but there are opportunities to work with kids of different ages or kids with, with other needs. So for example, one of, one of the organizations that we're trying to add now works with individuals who are doing some vocational work, right? So we're doing some job training with older individuals in high school and beyond so that our students have, have different choices. Um, I think the main thing too is that Dr. Esquerdo is vetting every single one of these. And we do that every year. We go through the clinics, we go through the schools, we go through the special education schools, and also the landscape of what they're providing, the services and experiences they're getting is changing. Uh, whether we like it or not, we're seeing a lot more telehealth experiences for these individuals. So there are a lot of opportunities here and Dr. Esquerdo is at the head or the helm, like handling all of them. And I'm so glad that was going to be my next question because that's a, that's a question that I've heard a lot from people is, yeah, you have these partnerships, but you know, how can you make sure? So just to hear that, you know, just because there are all of these partnerships and potential to get, you know, these different types of experience, even though, you know, it's, in with, it's within that same realm that you are making sure of that, hey, we want to make sure that this is a good partnership for our students. They're going, it's going to meet certain requirements and our students are going to be well-prepared for when they're done as well. And um, another question I had too regarding the practicum is, does the practicum, in, is that included for both the certificate and the master's program or is it for one or the other? Yeah, no, all of our um, all of our practicum and fellowship opportunities are, are available to both our master's students and our advanced certificate students. In New York State requires that 150 hours um, that are accrued have to be within the context um, of the program itself. 
So we have a field work course that covers those 150 hours that students have to accrue within, you know, the program itself. The rest of the hours are, you know, are not really required as part of the program. Um, students can graduate without accruing any of their experience hours, except for those 150, right, that are required for licensure. We provide all of these um, fellowship opportunities, these experience opportunities, because we want our students to, um, one, to have access to really good, high quality experience um, that we have vetted and, you know, worked very closely uh, with those organizations to establish something that's going to be high quality and meaningful. But also we want students to, you know, to get as many of their hours completed while they're in the program, right? While we're there to support them while they're in the program um, and so that they can, um, you know, be, be really finished by the time they graduate and, and sit for their uh, exams and, um, and get their credentials. Yeah, and Dr. Esquerdo isn't tooting her own horn enough because um, if they don't get these hours, these 1,500 or if it's gonna change later on, if they don't get it with us, that means they need to get a limited license and get it on their own and find a way to do it themselves and she's there fighting for each student to make sure that they get placed in the fellowship that they're looking for and that they're set and ready to go. Um, because most, if I would say 99% and with all the hours they need just by being with us in this program. Well, and I can say too, that is something that, you know, when I was in a clinical setting, that was a big draw to get qualified individuals working for my company was that we provided supervision. It was just part of being an employee of, you know, my clinical uh, at, at my clinic. And because that that wasn't something that was always easy to find. Um, a lot of times, you know, you have to pay to get supervision and that can be really expensive. So just to hear that, you know, that you're fighting for your students to make sure they're getting um, the licensure hours and the BACB required hours as well is in making sure that what I like to hear, and this is something that, you know, I've been researching more and more now that I've become a supervisor, is not all supervision is created equally. And so to hear that, no, we really want you to get as many approved supervised hours within the program as you can, because, you know, you're really making sure that the supervision is on point. So I really like hearing that as well. So, um, and so we talked about the overview, the faculty research, practicum opportunities, some of the student experience while working, you know, within the program. Um, how about what is the application and um, potential interview process look like for, you know, is there, is there differences between with the two different tracks um, that Queens College has and what does that look like for potential students? So the deadline to apply for the master's program is March 1st. Um, the deadline to apply for the, the advanced certificate program is May 1st. So those things are, those are coming up very soon. The it's all online and we no longer, we no longer require GRE. Is that right? You're right. Yeah. We are no longer requiring the GRE, although it does still say so on our website that we do require the GRE. So yes, it's all online. Um, is that a, is there an interview process to any of that as well? Or is it just an application review and then acceptance? Okay, perfect. That, yes, I just like we, to clarify. Yeah, we get together um, as a committee, all of the ABA faculty, and we review and see if they've met criteria. And then um, 
it's not necessarily that you're going to be accepted just because you meet our minimum criteria. Uh, we also have a cap as to how many students we can accept. And so, uh, of course, we're accepting the top of that. And then I do just want to reiterate that those deadline applications are coming up. Um, one is just going to be in a few weeks and from the release of this, and then one will be a few weeks after that. So um, if you're interested, one thing I always like to ask the faculty that I'm with is, is it okay if I put your, your email, is there an email that you would like potential students to reach out to that I can put into the description of the podcast? Yeah, they can reach out to us at aba at qc.cuny.edu. Perfect. Or reach out to me directly as well. Perfect. And so, yeah, if anybody has any questions, that email and the website are also in the description of the podcast episode. So we have covered a lot of stuff about the program. I think one thing that I haven't asked specifically about, we kind of covered it a little bit when we're talking about the practicum and um, those opportunities. Um, What can students expect from Queens? I I can't really talk about it because like I've said already, I've never been to, you know, that part of New York, the main part of New York that everyone thinks about. So what can what can students expect? Yeah, we are New York City. This is we're 45 minute maybe train to the uh, Manhattan where you can go anywhere. Uh, the Met is right there. We go to Central Park all the time, me and my wife. Well, we used to. And because we're writing Queens, if you're a Mets fan, which you all will be required to be, it's part of the oh, no, application no, no. process. <laughs> Uh, We're 15 minutes away from the stadium, and uh, they actually give you a discount for being a Queens College student, so it can be around $10, and I usually go on free bobblehead night, so um, it's a lot of fun. You're living in a very diverse area where you have access to pretty much anything, so we, I live right in uh, Forest Hills, Queens, um, which is walking distance to our grocery, walking distance Uh, to a school, walking distance to a park, anything you need is within walking distance. So you'll be expected to have a car for driving to fellowships because those will be in different areas. But when you're living here, you won't really need to use your car that often. Well, that's exciting too. I mean, it's kind of what you can expect from living in in a big metropolitan area. Oh, add food in there. Oh, yes. I can just imagine that you can get almost any food that you could dream of near you. Everything's at the tip of your fingers. So, um, and I bet you can even, you know, within such a big city, you can really find a little niche of spots of where you really enjoy. And like you said, you and your wife like to do, you know, when, when things were open again and things like that, you can really go exploring and everything's right there at the palm of your hands for you to get. I think really the biggest thing left to cover is Is there anything else that either of you want to make sure that, you know, potential prospective students know about Queens College and what they have to offer? Queens College has a long history and love of behavior analysis. We've had some of the biggest forefathers uh, teach at Queens College. um, And even one of our buildings is named after a behavior analyst. Uh, And when you come here, you can figure out what building that is. But we have a history and we're in the heart of where kind of behavior analysis grew from right the Northeast. So you're going to notice that history when you come here and notice uh, the appreciation for our field in this program and on campus at Queens College. 
Well, I mean, thank you both. I've learned a lot about the program and I think that it's a very diverse program and not only for, you know, to go and get a master's degree in behavior analysis, but also one thing to consider is different options go through, whether you already have a master's degree and you want to continue your education to become a behavior analyst, or if you do want to pursue the master's, there's some really interesting research going on that um, I always love learning about. That's one of the best things I love about doing this podcast is getting to actually sit down and learn about the programming as well. Um, so thank you both for being here with me today and talking. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the University Series. And as always, if you have questions, comments, suggestions, or feedback, please feel free to reach out to us at operainnovations at abatechnologies.com.